Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Michael Kist, Benjamin Solak. It's the Kist and Solak Show, presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 78, brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. As always, joined by the best dog on co-host in the game, Mr. Eight Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, how you doing, brother? Oh, Mike, every day is a good day to be alive here. Uh, Kist and Solak Show, you gotta love it. Uh, I'm a happy man. I live a good life. And happy Caleb Johnson podcast to you. Caleb Johnson, I'm sure you know, is the practice squad guard from Rutgers. Suck it! I found a practice squatter! I really don't even know who that is. I have no clue. It's like, it's like, it's like, you know how like week 16, everybody just signs a bunch of people to futures contracts? Yeah. Yeah, he's he's on a reserve future contract with the Eagles right now. The uh, first Incredible. year, or uh, uh, second year player out of Rutgers. 6'4", 300 pounds, 25 years old, future starter. Book it. <laughs> I don't know. Love it. Love it. So, Caleb Johnson, I guess, uh, that that's the episode that we're going Caleb with. Caleb, save me. Listen, most of these guys don't even have numbers listed. Caleb came through in the clutch. So, Ben, today we're going to be talking about some NFL draft for the Eagles. We're going to do a seven-round mock. But before we get to that, some obvious house cleaning to do as news continues to drop throughout the day of what's going on with this Eagles team as we move into the offseason. Today, Adam Schefter tweeted out that the Falcons signed former Cowboys linebacker Bruce Carter to a one-year extension. That's not the news. The news is Golden Tate replies to this and says, quote, oh, so you don't have to wait until March to sign extensions. Hmm, interesting, good to know. And then a peace sign emoji, unquote. So it doesn't look like the Eagles have made a hard push to re-sign Golden Tate at the moment, which comes at a shock to really no one. Right. Maybe there's an outside shot that they're waiting to move Nelson Aguilar and his over $9 million option in a trade before they push the chips in on Tate. But that's like even just an outside shot type thing. Either way, things are not looking like Tate is going to be back for next season. That's if I understand the peace emoji correctly, and I think I do, but Ben, I know you're pretty awful at translating emojis. I was about to say, are you about mean. to ask me what the emoji means? Because that's the wrong choice. <laughs> so Ben, how are you feeling about this? How are you feeling about uh, maybe it's cryptic season for some of these players, but that doesn't right. seem too cryptic to me. So it's interesting because Ben, as always, is eating on the podcast. You can't hear me eating right now, can you? <laughs> no, I just get, yeah. I, no. I have a bacon bit in my mouth because I'm eating mac and cheese that I made. <laughs> And the leftovers with bacon on top. Anyway, um, yeah, it's interesting because 
the peace sign we're interpreting to mean he's leaving, right? But he says, like, oh, so it turns out, you know, you can do extensions before March, which would indicate that he's been told that we'll talk with you, we'll talk to you about an extension in March, which would indicate that the Eagles might be looking to add more free agent wide receivers. They might be seeing who they're cutting, so on and so forth. So maybe there is a chance that Golden Tate comes back. They just don't want to address that until March to then get a, a, a cheaper option and Tate is understandably as a veteran taking that poorly and so he wants to just go because he doesn't feel like that's right because he feels like he's in a spot whatever do you think it's smart that if the eagles are eventually actually going to make a move on tate to give him time to really test what his value is or do you think they don't even think they're going to be in the same ballpark with him and are just like well we'll see what happens right. but we can't offer something that you'll like right now all right so i'll, I'll ask it to you this way you know uh, golden tate is not traded to the eagles stays with the detroit lions continues to have a decently productive but generally you know like a a lighter season for him and then hits free agency would his stock in free agency if he were not traded the eagles be higher or lower than it is right now ah man i i would think it's got to be in the same ballpark he definitely didn't do himself any favors i think it would be higher right i think he would have a higher right uh value if he just stayed with the lions because then you can explain you know his 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 general like maybe like lesser production just because the lions obviously go through head coaching change a new offensive coordinator jim bob cooter's fired whatever da 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 that explains that, and now, all right, like, you know, Tate's the biggest name on the free agent market, and honestly, he probably still is the biggest name on the wide receiver free agent market. He's he's going up against guys like Robbie Anderson and, and, and J.J. Nelson and John Brown. Like, you know, it's not a huge uh, wide receiver free agent market, so, you know, he, he's very, uh, he, he's still going to be a valued guy, but I think as his stock's a little bit lower because he went to Philadelphia, a good offense, and really, they weren't able to get him integrated, and then they only became successful when they started taking targets away from him and funneling them to other players. And so I think right. Tate's stock is lower for that regard. So I like that Philadelphia is willing to let him hit the free agent market, see what he's worth, because maybe he will be cheaper than you would have anticipated. I, I still think he's going to go get signed somewhere. I think he's one of the best wide receivers in the free agent market. But there's no reason to take a guy who performed the way Tate did over the last eight games for you and extend him immediately. You know what I mean? You should take a look at what else you can get. Especially, you know, it's been reported that they have interest in a guy like Robbie, Robbie Anderson. Anderson and John yeah. Brown, you know, John Brown is a dude that can really fly. And so maybe John Brown becomes the, the deep guy, whatever. The moral of the story is nobody really expected them to resign Tate. I think we'll probably within the next day or so get the classic, you know, agent encouraged tweet that's like, <laughs> lol, y'all guys read too much into this stuff. Ha ha ha. I'm just city. saying things. <laughs> right. We'll get that like face saving thing. I don't think this reflects terribly bad on, on the Eagles or anything. I think it's just business doing business. You know what I mean? That's just like the the reality of the situation. Whether or not the Eagles need a, a wide receiver, the extent to which they do, and, and where they're going to get that guy, it's really an interesting conversation. I don't know about you, Mike. In my seven-round mock, which currently doesn't have all the picks for the Eagles because there's no comp picks yet that we know of. Like, obviously, we, we expect them, but those get they're finalized this month. Yeah. I didn't select a wide receiver because I don't see it as a super big need for them. Uh, but either way, so, so wide receiver position, you know, you got Tate, you've got Mike Wallace, and then you have Nelson Aguilar, who, who's set to make nine and a half million, as we've discussed before on the show. I don't want to pay Nelson Aguilar nine and a half million dollars this year, so someone's got to be done about that as well. Yeah, so maybe a restructure, or like I alluded to before, you know, outside shot for a trade, something to that effect, and then we'll see what happens from there. You mentioned Robbie Anderson, my ears perk, because I'm thinking the Eagles might make another push towards him as well. We'll see what he commands on the open market. Speaking of the open market, Jordan Hicks recently has said, or alluded to the fact that he wants to test free agency and kind of see 
what he is worth out yeah. there, which I can't imagine is a whole lot considering his injury history. But when he is on the field, he has definitely been a difference maker for the Eagles, played like the best linebacker on the team last year. So that would be a hit to the Eagles if he were to walk in free agency. You're talking Nigel Bradham, and then the team is either going to like Camugrujay Hill or Nick Gary as the as the second linebacker. Now, it's of note, the Eagles spend a lot of their time in nickel, in big dime, in big nickel, a lot of those different packages, right? So base packages, three starting linebackers, that third starting spot doesn't mean a whole lot. But I think it is notable that if Hicks leaves, you're talking about promoting someone like Kermut to a full-time starter, which would be my choice there and has been my choice since last preseason to be over Nate Gary. But then after yeah. that, you're looking at you know, veteran depth pieces that are more special teams guys, it really does kind of create a hole there. And at the very least, the depth is very troublesome as well. So that might increase the need for linebacker in this draft. And I look at this linebacking class, and I was talking about this today on Twitter. I don't know if this is the best class to go and get one. I'm not through with the class yet by any means, but I took a, I took a look at the top, and we were talking about it with Joe Marino last week on, from the Draft Network about some of those linebackers out there. Like Devin White, we have questions about. The athletic physical profile is nice, but mental processing is just not there yet. Devin Bush is a guy that I'm really comfortable with, but I'm comfortable with him with a second-round grade. I understand what I'm getting with him, which there are some limitations there, but overall, I like, the, I like the product. Mac Wilson, I watch him at Alabama, and I watch the guy next to him think the guy next to him is just absolutely outplaying him i thought he was outplayed by moses and then you look at the rest of the group like who is it? Is the the kid from duke is it a, is it a project like torrell hanks from new Mexico state that they might look out later like I, I haven't really worked through the group but i'm kind of worried about the top of this group and also the middle portions because i don't think there are many solutions there so they may have to look to free agency for a cheaper just give me a reliable guy give me someone someone that understands what's going on around him as that third piece because i don't think the eagles have that guy right now unless they have more faith in nick gary than i do and i don't have a whole lot of faith in him i understand he's a safety convert but you want to scout what nate gary would look like if he was good yeah let's do it what does he look like ben burkervin washington yeah a burkervin is basically a safety right i mean for his size he they say he yeah. played at 222 i don't know if he even played it that weight oh he did de- okay he definitely played at 222 he definitely like sure? if, if if okay, if he played under two twenty two, then what was Devin Bush way? And when Devin Bush was out there getting mauled by offensive linemen, I yeah. can't get like Bush is really good sideline to sideline, but in the tackle box, man, His I arms. really struggle yeah. to get in on Bush. I like Ben Burkerbin. I like him more than a lot a lot of folks do. There's some folks who like him more than I do, a lot more than I do, which is wild. Um, but yeah, you said like Burkerbin's basically a safety. The, the thing about that is that uh, I hear that, like, in, in frame-wise and everything, but what I really like about Burke Kerbin is typically you have these undersized uh, linebackers who don't know how to approach contact and thereby aren't aggressive coming downhill. Burke Kerbin is super uh, aggressive and, and, yeah. and measured and intentional and intelligent coming downhill in terms yeah. of he knows how to attack blockers, deconstruct them, and present to a gap. And so he's absolutely going to lose regularly to guys who are 100 pounds his superior. There's no way around that. And he's probably a guy who's a bit maxed out. Like, you know, you're not going to make him much bigger. But if we're talking about putting him next to a 240-pound Nigel Bradham, well, we can probably hide that size problem a little bit. But I agree with you in the sense that I don't think this linebacker class is, is great. And, and that's something that we've, you know, just throughout the year, with when you watch Devin White, who never really has has leveled out, who's never really be, uh, uh, ironed out the issues. To me, the only round one grade in this class will be Mac Wilson. Uh, I, I agree with you. Dylan Moses is the man. Their their little strong side edge dude at Yabi Anoma, this freshman, is the freaking man. He's yeah. great. But overall, you're at a point where I think that 
Mac Wilson's going to be my one. I wouldn't hate Wilson to the Eagles. I just don't think they're ever going to go linebacker one. I think it's Mike right. K of NJ.com who had the, the, the stat or whatever. The Eagles haven't drafted around one linebacker since like 79. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's just like it's not a position that High Roseman, with the way he approaches team building, is going to value. So it's going to be a role-playing sort of guy who comes on day two, day three. That's the guy I selected in my mock. I'm excited to talk about him. So I'll tell you this. The thing that I do like about Ben Burkirvin is the fact that he played all four years as a linebacker and he's not like a third safety convert that we have to retrain right. his eyes and everything. That's a plus yeah. for me. That's so a this, plus. Is, this, is, this is my this is my like half serious, half fake take on Ben Burkirvin. You remember Shaq Thompson coming out of Washington, right? right. Thompson was like athletic, speedy, a little bit out of control, undersized guy. Up. And he played there like about five, six years ago, I want to say, 20, 2014 draft, by the way. And so he played like safety linebacker running back for them, right? And he was more athletic than Burkirvin for sure. But like if Sha- if you took college Shaq Thompson and put him back on the 2018 Washington Huskies, he would play Burkirvin's role because like that's how offenses have changed enough in the Pac-12 that like you can play a linebacker at that size, you know what I mean? Burkirvin in his undersizedness represents the changes in linebacker play specifically in that conference, the Pac-12, to the point where you can let him, you know what I mean? Like, the Utah had Chase Hansen playing linebacker 225, Cody Barton at 230. Those are the two main linebackers. They're both sub-230 guys. Right. And and Utah had second-best defense in the Pac-12. Yeah. You know, arguably, you know, up there on caliber with Washington. So, you know, it's, it's what that conference demands now in terms of linebacking play. And again, love the fact he's a three-year starter there at Washington. He didn't go from safety to Stole linebacker. Stole the starting job. Stole it. Azeem Victor got suspended. Oh, right. He hopped in and never relinquished the job. Victor was he a guy from He single-handedly destroyed Azeem Victor's draft stock. Yeah, and, and Victor which I was think a guy hysterical. from last year that no one had any interest in, if I'm not mistaken. Did he go undrafted, if I'm not mistaken? Azeem Victor? Yeah. I think he did. And then I'm pretty sure Bieria, Keyshawn Bieria, his his running mate at linebacker, number seven. I think he went to the Broncos? Victor went all the way in the sixth round. 40, 42nd pick in the sixth round to the Raiders. So, right. I mean, you're and then, And then I think, I'm pretty sure Bieria is on the Broncos. I liked Bieria better than I like Victor. So, yeah, we'll, we'll move on from that. But, yeah, it's going to be an interesting interesting conversation as to far as far as what we're going to do with that now hole if Hicks does in fact test the market find something that he likes and moves on let me ask you uh let me ask you another NFL question before we get into the the mock draft how's that sound sounds great Ben I love talking with you let's go talk Mike doesn't know ben. this question is coming so it's off the cuff Mike I have John Dorsey on the line he's willing to send you uh Duke Johnson for mm. the Eagles' fourth-round pick, which is pick 121 overall, I want to say. 121, yep. Send the fourth. Give me Duke. You're Howie. What do you do? You're looking for a back with that skill set. You like picking one around that area, as we've seen. He brings the skill set that we want. We can split them out. I'd pull the trigger. I'd say, yeah. Right. I think he's worth the fourth. See, I'm not. Right. My, my only umbrage with that is the idea that you're looking for a back with that skill set. I feel like the Eagles have... Their third down pass catching back. You know what I mean? Even if it's not Darren Sproles coming back, potentially not retiring, then I think it's Corey Clement. I think that's where they want him. I think that's where he was most successful when he was the third down guy last year uh, in 2017. Do you think he showed them enough to have faith and not make a move on someone that has that kind of skill set if it's there for a fourth? Right, exactly. Like, is that enough? And, and like, you know, is it bad to have all of your backs be able to be pass catching backs? Probably not. You know what I mean? <laughs> so if it, it, it comes down to, and this is, a, a, I, get into, I get into this with Eagles fans all the time. Do the Eagles want to be running back by committee? Or have right. they been forced to be running back by committee because of the talent? Question one. Question two which, you know, is, is corollary to question one, really what defines a committee. I'll put it to you this way. 
I don't think for as long as Deuce Staley is the running backs coach and Doug Peterson is the head coach, the Eagles will ever have a game where three running backs don't at least get like one touch. You know what right. I mean? Like they had probably had a couple games this year where like it was just Smallwood and Adams when they had like nobody healthy, right? But if they're at full strength, they're gonna want they're gonna have three backs that want to get touches. Mm-hmm. I think that's just like the the nature of how they want to run it. I think that you saw that with Peterson and KC. I think that Deuce really likes. His ability to like ride the hot hand. He's talked about that before. Um, so I think they want to be committee, and I think they will draft accordingly to be committee. That doesn't mean you won't invest like a decent day to pick in a guy. That doesn't mean you won't give a guy 15, 20 carries when the situation warrants it. They just want to have multiple guys who deserve touches. Like that's a better problem to have than to have all your eggs in one basket and he gets injured, or to have only one guy who deserves touches, mm-hmm. and now you're you're stuck. You're you're forced, you're funneled into that posi- that player at that position. So I think they want to be committee. I think they want to give different guys touches. I think Duke Johnson is the ideal committee back in the NFL because, like you said, line them up out wide. Mike, hurry up in 22 personnel. It's how the New England Patriots beat the Los Angeles Rams in the Super Bowl, baby. Correct. It's a coverage indicator, and you're not taking a step down from just having a guy out there and take one step and look to the quarterback. He can actually run right. routes and be productive that way. So, yeah, we have no idea what the future of Duke Johnson is now that – uh, and, and for those of you who don't know this, the reason we're asking the question, uh, the Browns t- today, Monday, signed Kareem Hunt, the Kansas City running back, who was released from the Chiefs due to a uh, uh, an, an assault incident, a violent incident with a woman in, in a Cleveland hotel, as a matter of fact. Um, Hunt, you know, has, has has made promises and strides with rehabilitation. The Browns have laid out their, their policy for him returning. He will be suspended, so he will not be available for the beginning of the 2019 season. We don't yet know for how many games. Of course, John Dorsey, the new GM of the Cleveland Browns, is the general manager who originally drafted Kareem Hunt out of Toledo. And Kareem didn't have uh, a rap sheet out of Toledo, but he was kind of viewed, you know, in Toledo, even when he was being recruited to play in Toledo, as a bit of a... A, a tough guy to work with at times, a guy who had potentially character red flags. So, uh, you know, uh, Dorsey's obviously done work on that before. The amount of work he's done on this specific incident, I don't know. They said they did a lot of work, but then again, they kind of always do. <laughs> Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, uh, last year's second round pick. Uh, there, uh, So uh, a second year player out of Georgia. And Duke yeah, Johnson now, who was extended at a pretty uh, small figure, at a pretty manageable figure, now filling that running back room. It's a fantastic uh, three deep there running back. You don't really know how those touches are going to be divided, and if Duke Johnson is viewed as movable, you know he he uh, he was called not expendable yet. You know what I mean? That was kind of the answer that they right. gave uh, in the press or announcing the Cream Hunt signing. If Johnson's on the move, there will be calls for him, and I think he fits very nicely with Philadelphia does. So yeah, sign me up for a four for Duke Johnson. I'm there. Yeah, also really good in pass protection despite his size. He's a dog. He gets after. Yeah, I've actually got clips on my timeline. I can uh, I can find them, but I was watching them one off season. We get like, it, Mike. Dude. You grind tape. It's cool. Yeah, exactly. That's what I do, man. That's what we do. And what we also do is grind tape about these NFL draft prospects. So main topic for today, a pre-combine seven-round mock from Ben uh, and myself. I, I did one as well. I had one. I, I So I did two total. I had one that is like the ultimate won't be their mock that won't be their guy will love. But I didn't make the rules. It just happened. I'll use the other one. But Ben... I'll kick it to you for the first one since you wrote this whole thing up for draftnetwork.com. Go check that piece out. Pick 25. The Eagles are on the clock. Hit me with the good stuff. Who you got, Ben? Uh, Jeffrey Simmons, yeah. defensive tackle out of Mississippi State. And now, yeah. you know, we, we, we talked about Kareem Hunt. So let's talk about Jeffrey Simmons. Um, and Jeffrey Simmons was, I believe, a freshman, perhaps a, a redshirt freshman or a sophomore. I believe it was 2016. Uh, he had an incident where he he, he beat a woman uh, and it was caught on camera. And this woman was in an argument with his sister and, and he was 
you know, uh, reacting from a place of, of anger and aggression and also from a place seemingly of some sort of filial loyalty. Uh, so it's a situation that's not super cut and dry in terms of why he acted the way that he did. All reports out of the Mississippi State program, which again, this is not irregular. Uh, there's times where it's opposite, but this is not irregular. And then he's, 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 he's a wonderful exemplar of leadership of character, what they'd like the Bulldog program to represent. Simmons was, you know, there was the consideration that he was going to be moved on from. Uh, the Mississippi State program was going to release him. They eventually elected not to. To the degree to which that revolves around his character and the way he holds himself, it's unclear. Simmons was also the best recruit Mississippi State's had in a while uh, right. at that time. And so, you know, there's, there's obviously decisions. multiple layers to that. <laughs> Simmons was not invited to the NFL Combine as a result of this uh, in his past, which is a policy the, the Combine has upheld. Whether or not it makes sense, they've continued to uphold it. I particularly think it's one of the dumbest things in the world. But uh, Simmons is a guy who's going to have to answer a lot of questions. Uh, teams have been rumored to be okay with him in the first round, given what he's done over the past few years in response to this 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 violent outburst, this incident. And so he's first round viable. He's a guy that, that is, is he's not like a Joe Mixon case where somebody's going to make sure they draft him in the second uh, just to make sure that he's, you know, they kind of like clear that bar. He's first round viable. Now, if you draft him in the first round, you have to deal with the fact that there's a video of him beating a woman. Uh, and that video is going to circulate for a whole 24 hours before we get to this round two or round three, and then it's going to continue to circulate after that. So as a round one pick, he's tricky. But Philadelphia has the benefit of, of a coach who's who's renowned for kind of an emotional, intelligent aspect to him, a coach who's renowned for uh, being able to connect with players and, and have a very good feel. And they also have a, a very well-established locker with a ton of good veteran presence. You you could argue that that discourages them from drafting Simmons because it would look like uh, uh, reneging on what they've really established in Philadelphia in the locker room. Or you could look at it as a sign that there's an infrastructure in place uh, to help Simmons, you know, be successful to deal with stepping to the NFL level to all of a sudden being a multimillionaire, so on and so forth. I don't think Simmons will be off the board for Philadelphia. Uh, Maybe we'll know more as time goes on. I don't think he will be. Uh, But in the event that he's not, it makes perfect sense for what they need next to Fletcher Cox. This is a guy who can play one tech and three tech. Uh, he can absolutely handle double teams in the run game and in the pass rush game. Yeah. Uh, uh, Fletcher Cox, an ex Bulldog and an ex Mississippi State player, is my comparison for Jeffrey Simmons, a player yeah. who I have in my top 10, falling to 25, uh, in part probably because te- some teams will have him off the list. Recently learned, Mike, that. Daniel Jeremiah made the same comparison. He said Fletcher Cox to Jeffrey Ooh. Simmons. That makes me feel pretty good. Um, but yeah, like 6'4", 310 is the frame. Hands are unbelievably powerful. Pass rush is good. Can even get better. If he learns how to soften angles a little bit better, learns how to yeah. work his bull rush a little bit better, hey, Fletcher Cox is great at that. Uh, immediately steps into that defensive tackle position, which increasingly I'm becoming more and more interested in the defensive tackle in round one. Obviously, that's conditional on Timmy Jernigan being released, but I really like that as an idea. So... Uh, Jeffrey Simmons was my pick, 25 overall. So in the ultimate won't-be-there mock, I had Ed, Ed Oliver fall to me, maybe because some teams find him as a linebacker or some teams didn't necessarily the have thing, The thing is, like, we love Ed Oliver in the media, but it's a very legit, like, right. thing that Oliver could fall to, like, the teens and the 20s. Yeah. So that would be a really interesting scenario if Ed Oliver is there. But I ended up taking Jeffrey Simmons as well. I, I share a lot of the same thoughts as Ben does. I normally hate comparisons, but I like that comp with Simmons for Cox. I mean, the guy is an absolute animal. You, you look at what Chip used to bring in, and they were always like team captains and everything like that. Like Howie Roseman isn't necessarily that style. Not saying he's all loosey-goosey yeah. and everything like that, but it's not as stringent as it used to be. If this were Chip Kelly... Jeffrey Simmons would definitely not be someone that I would be linking to them. I mean, I remember the draft with Marcus Peters and Nelson Aguilar, and I said, I want Marcus Peters, but 
my assumption is because of the character of Nelson Aguilar and the character of Marcus Peters juxtaposed to each other that Chip Kelly will ultimately take Nelson Aguilar, and that's what happened. I wanted Landon Collins. Oh, yeah. No, you know where I, I watched Landon. that draft from? I watched the draft from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, on my way to state classic scrimmage competition. <laughs> I was in the hotel getting ready. Next day, man, I was going to war. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L. V-A-N-29.com. Before we get to the second pick, Ben, I was kind of hoping that when I did mine that Boston College interior offensive lineman Chris Lindstrom would be there just for the discussion. But from a value perspective, I think it's enticing and something you would have to think about as not only as a stopgap fill, but an upgrade and a long-term answer as well, because I think this guy is going to be 10 years in the league, just super solid. And here's how my process with Chris Lindstrom went. Number one, watch him at the Senior Bowl and say to yourself, hey, this guy is damn good. I got to check out his tape. Number two, watch one game. Say, hey, self, this guy is probably a first-rounder. Number three, watch the second game. First-rounding intensifies. Number four, watch the third game. Hit him with an official first round grade. Number five, forget about him for a while. Number six, see that you need to follow up on some interior defensive line prospects like Gerald Willis from Miami. Number seven, watch Willis get dominated by Lindstrom against Boston he College. He washed. He washed Willis, man. <laughs> he washed him. That is so, that was he lost great tape. every rep. He lost every rep against Lindstrom. Number eight, circle first round grade for Chris Lindstrom. So easy evaluation for Lindstrom. He can start anywhere on the interior. He dabbled in some work at tackle at his time in BC. You, you put him in your underrated, your five underrated prospects article for draftnetwork.com. Ben, yeah. real quick, before we move on to the second pick here, regardless, uh, would you ultimately pull the trigger or not? Would you at least give it some thought? that the Eagles might be interested in Lindstrom and filling out that interior offensive line. No. I figured as much. Because it's all dependent on Kelsey, right? All dependent on Kelsey. And also, they, uh, you know, Sam Malu, they don't want him snapping. Uh, he did not get snapping. And yeah. It wasn't great during preseason, during training camp. And also, I think he, he got good at left guard. Don't fix what ain't broke. Adding into that fact uh, that I think that if Kelsey goes, I think it's a situation where they, I don't remember, I don't think Wisniewski's a free agent. I think Wisniewski's still under contract. Wisniewski's still under contract. Yeah, but I think you, you Wisniewski would be your immediate move to center there, uh, and you would address that with potentially a later pick building him up. Yeah, Wisniewski's still around at 3.7. What a deal. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Howie. Uh, I mean, I still, I still think Wiz, Wiz would start on like half the lines in the league. Yeah. So no, I don't, I don't anticipate interior offensive line being that high of a need. I could see it being a later need, later pick. Draft a great athlete. See if you can make, if you can, you know, hit twice on Kelsey, which would be nuts. 
Um, but you know, like you know, take take the uh, inquisitive glance if you want. You need to get younger in that room. You anticipate over the next two seasons losing Wiz Kelsey and Warmack, which leaves Sam Malo and Matt Pryor, Brandon Brooks as your three who you would have around. Eh, you're probably gonna want to add another young buyer to that mix. What about Garrett Bradbury in the second round at NC State? I mean, my issue, like, like if free agency goes great and they don't have as many immediate needs, okay. let's freaking get it, man. I'm, right. I'm there. I'm on the train. But <laughs> okay, we got okay. some other things we got to address. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we got some other stuff to figure out. I'm in dream world. Go ahead. <laughs> Namely, offensive tackle three slash OT one of the future, left tackle of the future, mm. who I hit with Yadni Kajus. Yeah. Uh, and Yadni is a player that we discussed on the Joe Marino, uh, the show, which you listened to is the previous show from Kiss the Solak on the feed. Out of West Virginia, a tackle who's going to hit measurable numbers pretty nicely, who's going to hit good testing numbers, I think, in the three cone, in the short shuttle, yeah. you know, 10-yard split. I think he's explosive. I think he's quick. Technique-wise, absolutely, like, fine, survivable. You could start him in year one and stay afloat, but it would benefit him to have a year, I think. And yeah. a lot of that is just simply the reality of, like, pass protecting in the Big 12, where you're just not seeing 7-tech, 9-techs that much you're just not seeing guys where you're going to regularly see them in the nfl coming at you the ways they typically are you're seeing tight fronts they're not coming at that wide angle at you with speed rushes and things of that nature yeah i mean like big you know like uh when we talk about big 12 defense that's good we're talking about three-man fronts so odd man fronts we're talking about four iron five techniques guys who are two gapping guys who are reading inside out their first step is not intended to beat you in the pass rush it's to leverage against the run because they, want they to have down the two gap, gap responsibilities against the run because Big 12 defenses are trying to drop seven, eight into coverage because the Big 12, I don't know if you, you know, if you don't watch college football, you might not know this. <laughs> Big 12 throws the ball a lot. They, uh, they like to sling the pill, as it were. And so your defensive linemen are not quick to generate that pass rush. You're trying to drop uh, underneath guys into coverage, take away the quick game, take away the RPO game, and then you're going to get more coverage sacks than you will anything else. And that's not true of everybody, right? Like TCU's out there rushing edge guys. Yeah. You know, Texas is out there rushing edge guys. Kajus game against LJ Collier at TCU was very good. I mean, yeah. he got him a few times. So, right. And so here's a great example where LJ Collier, and I want to look, I don't remember exactly what he weighed in as at the Senior Bowl. He's a longer guy. He was trying to get him with the long arm a bunch, and and, and he was able to uh, to trap him a couple of times. It was nice. Right. Violent hands. Right. LJ Collier. Yeah, so Collier is a great example. TCU has got him listed at 6'4", 276. So he's a, like, he's a great example of a tweener type. Like a 6'4", 276 guy is not what Kajus is going to be seeing right. when he's taking you know, 45 degree sets for like the, not the first time, but like regularly for the first time, he's going to be seeing 260 guys who are three times as quick. You know what I mean? And so like, it's, it's, it's just a good transition for a, for, in my opinion, for a big 12 offensive lineman. And especially one with Kajus technical flaws. So you get him in the second round, sit him at left tackle for uh, a year, sit him behind uh, Jason Peters, bring him up 20 to 20. He's your, your favorite starter coming into camp. Probably going to win the job over big V. Other nice thing about Kajus is that, there's the idea that he could maybe move to guard because he has some balance issues. And so he does give you, you know, the potential to move there in the future. If that's like, you know, if Big V, Jordan, my lot of pan out, whatever you want. So there right. you go. Kajust at 53 would be, in my opinion, great value off my board. It makes a ton of sense what Philadelphia needs to do on their offensive line. I mean, I would consider Kajust at, at 25. So when he was sitting there for me at 53, I jumped all over it. And the ultimate, he won't be there mock. I got Joshua Jacobs at 53, the running back out of Alabama, and then got Kajust at 57 because I wanted to grab him anyway. But Josh Jacobs at 25. 
Are you happy or sad with that pick? It happens on April, Thursday, the 27th, or whatever the heck it is. Rate it 1 to 10. Right now, choose and never waver. I'll, I'll call it a 4. I love the player. He's the only complete back that I see in this class that I don't have really many concerns with whatever, and he has no tread on his tires whatsoever. He brings a playmaking aspect to this offense, would bring a steady back. But again, we're going to be a committee. We're going to do all these different things. Then I think we can get value later on. I think the Eagles see it that way too. And you're also looking at some of the more immediate needs at higher uh, positions of priority like offensive tackle like some of the interior offensive line guys for the future like defensive line all along that line and also the safety position so i would i would go with a four because i love the player i feel like that's that's good value for me uh but ultimately i'm not a big I'm a first round running back guy you know i loved darius guys last year and at 32 i would have been all over it but that was a very different team then and Geis was a higher player on my board significantly than what Jacobs will be. I still like Jacobs, but he's got a high second round grade for me. How do you feel about the Josh Jacobs to Alvin Kamara comparison? I mean, everyone gets com- compared to Alvin Kamara. Really? I feel- yeah. What? I didn't notice that. Either everyone's looking for the next Kareem Hunt that doesn't get into those types of incidents. At least that's what the cop was before that happened. Or everyone's like getting compared to Alvin Kamara. It's just, it's so old hat to me. Josh Jacobs is Josh Jacobs, and Josh Jacobs is a very good football player. I really don't, I really don't mess around with comps like that. That's just me. I, f- I feel like he's got similar burst, and I feel that there's very similar contact balance there. I could see those similarities. See, that's my thing is I think that, I think Alvin Kamara's contact balance was, woo! And I think that Josh Jacobs' contact balance is cool. I think Jacobs is a little bit more of a... That's official scouting terms, by the way. And Do you cool. think J- Jacobs is a little more of a take-on guy than Kamara? I mean, Kamara loves some some contact, but I think no. as far as running style, he's a little more take-on. The thing, the thing about me is Jacobs is a super urgent runner, right? Yeah. So he's very much so like daylight, upfield, go, 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 go. And what's yeah. really cool is his footwork and his flexibility through his hips down is what oh, allows yeah. him to do that yeah. because dude can stop on a dime. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's stupid, cool. right? And so that's change of direction. Like that's where I'm going to categorize that trait. And as a result, your contact balance will suffer when you're super urgent style of runner because you'll get caught with your feet just out from underneath your hips. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like you'll get just caught ahead of yourself. That happens to Joe Mixon. That was one of my concerns with him coming out. Right. So there you go. So, so that I can't get around the Alvin Kamara thing. I teased Frank Gore a little bit for Josh Jacobs. I kind of thought about that. Like, you know, like younger spryer Frank Gore. It's tough to remember him because he's been in the league for 20 years yeah. and he's only been healthy or like, like, you know, as, as quick for the first half of that. But I, I haven't landed on a good one. He, he and uh, Miles Sanders out of Penn State are the two running backs. I really just can't get a good feel on a comp for him. Sanders is a guy who I've got early day three and he's a really good athlete, but he needs time. He needs to learn what he's doing. He's, you know, he's a one-year starter who's way too interested in, in, uh, in, in like, he, he wants to break 11 tackles every play. And she's like, honey, just, you know, go pick up five yards and live <laughs> right. to play another down. But anyway. Yep. Pick 57. Yeah, 57. Who did you take? You can go first this time. I took I took uh, Darnell Savage, the safety out of Maryland. We need a third oh, safety. I think he's a good box safety. I think he's a guy that you can eventually develop. Right now, he is not a center fielder. He does not have a good feel for it. That's where his mental processing really struggles. He's a go-make-the-now-play kind of guy. Downhill, go get it. I love his aggression. I love his competitive toughness. I feel like he's going to be able to stick with guys, and I feel like he's going to test well, too. I love what he brings to the table as a box safety right now, and I love the fact that you're going to be able to possibly get more out of him from a versatility standpoint as you move forward throughout his career when the Eagles will really need him. And at the same time, you're getting an absolute demon on special teams if I can project his skills correctly. Ben, you're up. I like this idea. 
because I think Savage on the field lets them run more trap coverages. And if we learned anything from the first three weeks of the season, <laughs> Ben wants more trap coverages. Yes. I select the Christian Miller, the edge out of Alabama at 57. Like here's the thing. Here's the thing about that. If that happened in real life, I'd be a little worried about it. Because Miller has dealt with significant injury over his time at Alabama. He's not been able to stay healthy. Is it all is it all soft tissue stuff? It's so hard to find a good injury database uh, for college for players. College. I know. You know I what know. I mean? It's very, teams don't have to list it. Right. You so, gotta, like, you know, Google it's just stuff. like he has a lower body injury. Well, then I have no idea what is happening. <laughs> yeah, is that a bone bruise? Is it a hammy? What is it? Because we know yeah. that Miller could not participate in the Senior Bowl because of that hamstring that he suffered later on in the season. There was also some previous issues with him as well. Yeah, so it's definitely the hamstring was the one that happened this year in yeah. the playoffs. I feel like in my head, I feel like there was a knee at some point. I'm not positive. Here's the thing. Injury prone. They did the same thing with Josh Sweat in round four last year, right? Sweat to yeah. me was like a late day two, a uh, late round two grade. They drafted him late round four. Okay, Miller. If you just take Miller's tape, yeah. round one, yeah, dude can run at a thirty degree angle to the ground. Yeah. Unbelievable. He's, He's hand usage to soften and then clear and then corner is unbelievable. It's Harold Landry esque. The alignment you would use him in in my opinion, fits the Eagles more than a guy like Montez Sweat. I think Miller fits the Absolutely. People who mock Montez Sweat to the Eagles, it doesn't make much sense to me, but that different conversation. So yeah. I, I, Miller makes a ton of sense. He's, he'd be another, let's gamble on an injury, high upside edge rusher and see if we can get one of them to hint to hit. And then you're going, you know, Barnett plus Bennett question mark on the outside. And then it's behind them, Josh Sweat and Christian Miller. And if you hit on one of those two, it's a win. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if you get one starting caliber edge rusher out of a second and a fourth round pick, I'm fine. Like they're both great players. So yeah, <laughs> I don't hate that at all. I like that there. I think the Eagles do have a serious chance to go edge early. If they lose Brandon Graham, they're going to want to add a potential oh, yeah. two contract body to that rotation, which is going to yeah. be a day, uh, a round one, round two, round three pick given yeah. what edges cost in, in the NFL draft. So I think, I think, Eagles drafting an edge in their top three or four picks is going to be something that is going to be pretty regular in all of my mock drafts this season. It's something that I expect to see. Now, we don't have access to what compensatory pick the Eagles have at the end of the third round, so we are going to skip that. So we apologize, but we are going to move on to the day three picks that we have. We'll try to get them Just through Just take quick. your favorite prospect, and that's who they picked in round three. You want to give you want to give them in a stack? I'll give mine in a stack. Let's go. With 121, I went Elijah Holyfield, the running back out of Georgia. Ah. He's not lasting at 121, baby. That's a good player. That wasn't even on my uh, won't be there, won't be there mock. And the other one, I took Miko Hardman at 121. But in the other mock I did at 153, Miko Hardman, the wide receiver out of Georgia, was still there. So I took him. Another guy I don't think is going to be there. He's going to test really, really well. Right now, $1 bet. I think Elijah Holyfield is off the board in April before Miko Hardman. Holyfield. Holyfield, shoot. <laughs> All right, who's off the board first, Holyfield or Hardman? I'm going to go Hardman. I think Harmon's going to go first. Holyfield. The w- loser has to buy the winner a vending machine item. A vending machine item. Like a Pop-Tart like you always get? Hey, listen. You run by me a Pop-Tart. That's fine. I mean, I get to choose, obviously. It depends on what I'm feeling at the time. It depends on the vending machine. That sounds good. So we'll have that bet in there. I think Harmon's going to blaze. And I think it's going to go. I think his stock me is going to go. Me too. But up. I also think Emmanuel Hall is. And I think uh, Hollywood Brown are. So there you go. Right. I, I love Holyfield's tape, too. I just have a real issue projecting him as a pass catcher because he has seven career catches at Georgia. That's it. So the way he catches the ball and runs route at the com- runs routes at the combine is going to be very important for him and his stock. But as a runner, man, is he good. All right. 
my last pick at 185, uh, Terrell Hanks, the linebacker out of New Mexico State. Another safety convert, but did play a year of linebacker for New Mexico State. He's got he's a wild player. He's real aggressive, got some lunginess mm-hmm. to his tackle there. He's still got to figure it out upstairs and whatnot. But some guy, you know, that that you like the athleticism profile, the physical profile. He won the weigh-ins at the senior bowl. He was jacked up, just carved from marble. So that's a guy for me that you maybe develop if nothing hits in free agency. And like I said, I don't like this linebacker class, so I'm not taking any of them where you know I, I would have valued them earlier in the draft. But someone that maybe you can develop and bring some youth and depth to that team, like his coverage skills. I think he's if he hits his ceiling, doggone good pick at a good value. But you got to be patient with him. Ben, what about your stack? Yeah, it's I'm I'm very curious to see where Hanks goes because I yeah. feel like I feel like a team is going to Darius Leonard him. To be very honest, like right. we're all like, listen, Darius Leonard's going to go at one twenty. <laughs> Right. And the Colts were like, what about 35? And they're all like, what? <laughs> but it was like 36 or something like that. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, I'm not going to lie. That worked right. out pretty nicely for them. Don't yeah. know if you noticed. But like that that really hit us out of nowhere. Uh, yeah. Round four, pick 121. I guessed right, by the way, earlier in the show. Took Evan Worthington, the safety out of Colorado. And the simple fact is, safeties don't usually come 6'1", 200-plus with free safety range. But Evan Worthington is 6'1", 200-plus with free safety range. 32 and something inch arms. Dude's got a really great size profile to be able to play deep. And he has the, the speed to play deep. He really does. Has pretty good hip hinge as well. Angles are hit or miss right now, and that makes his play hit or miss. He will give up big plays. He'll also have insane interceptions, like wide receiver body contour interceptions. There's clips against USC, there's clips against UCLA from last year, that you can really see, like, man, this guy can track and attack exactly like you want to see. And he has box ability because of his size and because he has good man coverage stuff as well. He can get physical. So there you go. You like his combo ability. Here's the problem. He's so inconsistent. His Nebraska tape this year is probably one of the worst game films I've watched. And I'm drafting him in the fourth round. Like, it's just so tricky. And this is a guy who came out of a JUCO college, was suspended for a year in the Colorado program for an unknown violation of team rules. So you got to figure that out. You know, he's, 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 he's married. He's got a kid. Like, you know, he is, a, is an older prospect. He's a gamble. But when you're talking about potential starting safeties, because he's got the build, the physical tools, and the flash plays to be a potential starter. Round four, 121, I'm not sticking my nose up at anybody. So that's yeah. my selection there. Round five is where I eventually went running back. Pick 153, Divine Azigbo mm. out of Nebraska. Spry young fella. 225 pounds who can really, really move. Really fluid guy. Very springy. Great jump cuts for his size. Can drop his hips. I love it a lot. A non-combine invite, which is shocking. To me, wow. it was the, the, the biggest surprise of the lack of combine invites. Blew up the Shrine game. Uh, as a guy that really, the more film I get on him, the more I'm liking him. If he tests well at his pro day, which, hey, it's a pro day, so you're going to test well, uh, he will sneak into a, a round three grade for me at uh, the back end of round three. Uh, fits the zone scheme, what Philadelphia likes to do nicely. He's a Carlos Hyde type to me, uh, and I think that, that that's perfect what Philadelphia wants. Gun to your head, Bruce Anderson and Divine Abizigbo. Who will I rank higher? Yeah. Probably uh, Zigbo. I haven't, okay. well, I haven't gone through Anderson film yet, but I really like him. You'll go through Anderson film. You're going to love him. I'm doing an RSP with Matt Matt Waldman coming up soon. Tomorrow, okay. actually. Not Stunt on him slightly. Job, Stunt on him a little bit. Yeah. So I'm going to teach all you folk about my man, Bruce Anderson. So check that out when it drops. Ben, continue yeah, I with have, your picks. I have the film. I need to get into it. But You need to. Uh, you need, and then make sure that you watch the playoffs, too, because I went back to pull clips for what me and Matt are going to talk about. I hadn't seen the playoff games yet. Playoff game just reinforced my love. I'm I'm smitten. Another combine snub. Yep. He's going to talk to Joe. 
Marino loves Chris Anderson. Every time I bring him up, Joe's on my mention saying, I can't believe that yeah. he didn't get invited to the combine. It's ridiculous. It's a travesty of justice. And it will not go unchallenged, Ben. Yeah, so my last pick, round six, uh, 184 <laughs> overall. I took the linebacker, Ryan Connolly out of Wisconsin. Connolly's a smart player. He wins with anticipation. He wins with instinct. And so if he sees it develop, he regularly beats offensive linemen to their spot. He can drop his hips. He can hold. And he's constantly turning plays back into the teeth of the defense. So he makes a lot of non-box score plays, in my opinion. I really like his ability to get downhill, to beat blockers to their spot, to beat pullers, to beat fullbacks. And he plugs up the gap, forces the running back to start to freelance, and that's where the rest of your defenders can open up. So I like him as a Sam Will, you know, preferably a Sam, but Will also, for that reason. Now, I wouldn't call his range sideline to sideline. It's good. It's probably not that great. And when he doesn't anticipate, he needs to learn how to start playing with his hands. He needs to learn how to attack downfield. He's not super dissimilar, in my opinion, to how Camus was when Camus was much younger and when Camus was worse in terms of, like, really great in space, good setting the edge and whatever. But, like, when he didn't see it happening... He was regularly losing. He was regularly, you know, second-level climbers were sealing him off, so on and so forth. The Camus still got those problems. But for round six, Connolly's absolutely rosterable. I think he's fine as a depth player, and he's abs- absolutely going to be a good special teams guy. Uh, you know, you don't want to scout helmets, but Wisconsin players typically are. And so Connolly, as my as my sixth-round pick, I liked that a lot. That felt pretty good. So that has been our seven-round mock here on the Kist and Solak Show. We invite you, gentle listener, to hit us up with your mock drafts. At BGN Radio, when this episode drops, drop those in there. Maybe we'll talk about some of them on the show. We'll see what we like. If we like a specific draft. Maybe we, might, maybe we might talk about it on a future show. So hit us up with your mock draft. Let us know who you think the Eagles should be getting. Yell at us for our picks, all of that good stuff. Ben, would you say goodbye to the gentle listeners? Bye, friends. <laughs> Thank you, as always, for listening to the Kiss and Solak Show here on BGN Radio. We do appreciate you swinging by. As we step further and further into the offseason, I've been on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-E-K. It's Michael Kist on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. Go ahead, leave a rating, a review, and subscription on whatever app you listen to your podcast, but especially iTunes because the, they rank us and we are vain and we like to see where we're ranked. Uh, only five-star ratings work. That bug, that nasty bug is back again. Funny how it keeps showing up just for our podcast, not for other podcasts. You can rank other podcasts as one star. It's not saying you should, but you can, <laughs> and you should. Mike, uh, we've got a, uh, a Gowton and uh, Stolness show is coming up later this week. Is that right or no? Later this week, yes, they will be recording as well. We're also scheduled to talk with your homie John Ledyard at the Draft Network. And I'm mm. saying that so he doesn't bail on us because we're putting his feet to the John, fire. my boy. So we're going to be talking with him as well. Ben, was that it? Was that the speech? Did you do? Did you hit everything? I think you did. We all we got. I love you guys. We all we need. We're friends. Fly, Eagles, fly. Goodbye forever. Death comes to us all. Goodbye.